Welcome to another episode of the Stoic Creative Broadcast, where the art of living and the creative process converge. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of the Stoic Creative Handbook, available now on Amazon. Visit thestoiccreative.com to download the free chapters and get guided and get going right away. Let's meet today's guest. Maya Lin. Maya, welcome to the broadcast. Please introduce yourself and share a project you're currently working on or excited about. Thanks for having me, Scott. It's great to be here. So um, right now I'm working on several things. I am leading the marketing seminar by Seth Godin. That takes up most of my day. And then after hours, I do some editorial work for Design Observer, which I'm very excited to talk about as well, if you'd like. And most recent project that I've begun is a picture book immersion project. I am super, super excited to begin this and I'm happy to share more details. Awesome. Well, I would love to um, unpack a little bit of each of those things uh, with you. Uh, Full disclosure, I actually met Maya through the marketing seminar. She is doing amazing work there. And I have many times on the broadcast uh, strongly recommended that folks that are interested in doing and having their great work reach the audience that it's intended for or that it's right for to check out Seth Godin's marketing seminar, which I hear is, I was in session one, I hear that that's undergone um, a couple of iterations. So maybe just just two minutes on um, your work with the, the marketing seminar. Happy to, we're ramping up rapidly for our fourth session, which will begin in January. Um, it's, been, it's been amazing. <laughs> I had no idea what this is going to be like. I don't have a marketing background. Um, and coming into this, I have learned so much about what marketing actually means and what it can do for other people. Um, so we launched the program in early May. I think you were part of that session, the mm-hmm. first one, who were early, early starter. And um, since then, we've just had thousands of people write to us and tell us what insights they've discovered through this program and how that's completely changed, not just their careers, but like their personal lives. And being part of this kind of program that creates transformation in the way someone sees the world and sees themselves has been an extremely, extremely rewarding. And quite, you know, it's just, it's just such an honor to be part of this program and, and leading it. And you're doing such a great job in that program. Thank you. So what I love about everything that Seth Godin creates is he, it's not a top-down type of program. There, none of his programs are. You are doing meaningful work within the program. You are working with other people. You are looking at other people's work and providing feedback. You're getting feedback on your own work. And you're getting pushed and pushed and pushed to continue to go deeper and to refine messages and to refine your thinking and gain clarity on what your work is for and who it's for and the, what change in the world you're trying to make. Um, and so I'm excited. Actually, I, I, I've been thinking about this um, recently that I, you know, as I'm engaged in like the next phase of my project, which actually came out of the marketing seminar. I don't know if you remember, but um, it was during the marketing seminar that my domain or that my project changed from the stoic guitarist to the stoic creative. And that in the last weeks of the program, I think I, is when I put the book initially together. So I put everything into action during that program. It was such a great, just swift kick in the pants. 
<laughs> and so um, tell us about the, the second piece that you were uh, just, uh, that you shared, the, the design work that you do. Um, so my editorial work with Design Observer has been a super fun journey. Um, I'm working with Jessica Helfen and Michael Beirut, who are co-founders of this site, which is almost like, I think of it as kind of like this watering hole or gathering place for people who are super interested in how visual elements of our world influence culture and how that drives culture, interacts with it, and what that means for our society as a whole. And so um, a part of my work is working with people who write to us and create kind of articles and stuff. But most recently, I've been helping them lead a book review project and looking at the latest titles, trends and what's coming up, what people are interested in, what publishers are interested in, and um, taking a look at actually those books and making a few remarks on what I think is cool. Interesting. And what's the, what's the name of that site? Design Observer, designobserver.com. And we host several podcasts on there as well for people who are podcast fans. We've got Design Matters by the wonderful, wonderful Debbie Millman, who's sparkling and brilliant. We've got The Design of Business, The Business of Design, which is led by Jessica Helfand and Michael Beirut through the Yale School of Management. And we've got um, The Observatory, which has been a more long going project with Jessica and Michael talking about what they find is interesting, what they like about what they've seen in the world. Awesome. Well, I just found out the next podcast for myself to check out. And what about for folks that are interested in the marketing seminar? Where can they find out more information about that? Marketingseminar.com. Pretty simple. Very good. So now let's get into what I'm excited to get into, which is this project of your, I think, did you say storybook immersion? Yeah. Yeah. So, I like that phrasing. Yeah, I do too. So um, obviously it struck a chord. So go ahead and, and tell us a little bit more ab about that project. Um, wow. It's, it's fun to think about how this all began because it's like, you know, saying how hindsight is twenty twenty. When I look back at my life, I'm like, it's been super clear all along that I was headed to this immersion project, but I never really recognized it in myself until more recently. Um, picture books, I think, are one of the most powerful ways to change lives. They're the earliest forms of stories that we encounter as kids, and they really stick with you whether or not you realize it at that time or not. Um, so for me, I was going through a difficult time in grad school. I was studying to be a chemical ecologist. I was in this PhD program and I thought that that's the path that I wanted to do. And that was, you know, where I was set on, but things were not going, things were not going so well. And I was becoming extremely depressed. And at one point, kind of probably the lowest point, I was thinking, what is something that can get me up in the morning and excited about the day? What's just the one little thing that can, you know, just make me want to, be here and do things and create. And that question made me think of, well, why am I here in the first place? Like what got me into ecology? And all of this just cycled back to this one answer of, I love stories, I love storytelling. And looking at the intersection of how things engage with each other to create a storyline and that narrative has always been really interesting to me and that's what got me into ecology. So I thought, okay, well maybe one way to approach this kind of dip in my own energy is to start creating a story of my own. So I got up an hour earlier every day, 
to work on a picture book that I had. It was an idea that I'd had kicking around in my head for quite a while. And as I started to do that, I realized I really like drawing and I really like writing and I really like combining them together. And I need to figure out how to do this better. So then I started going to the library and to the picture book section. And it was like revisiting all of these old friends that I had had from years and years ago. And I was like, this is actually a very powerful medium to communicate. Cause I'd never seen them from this perspective of like, well, what happens when your image says something and the words say something else? Or when the words say um, something and the image is complimented and it's becoming this really powerful joint way of telling a story and changing minds and perspectives and provoking curiosity. So I started getting deeper into that and then it became clear to me I needed to learn um, the software tools to get this down. And then as soon as I dipped into InDesign, Illustrator and Photoshop, it was like a lost cause. Like, okay, <laughs> I need to put the PhD aside and just pull, pursue graphic design and writing full time. Um, so that's kind of the whole trajectory of how I ended up getting closer and closer into picture books, but really not actually doing anything about it. And eventually I was like, okay, I can't just continue to consume picture books and read them and think that they're awesome. What do people need now in terms of stories that delight, that are relevant? I think it's fair to say that a lot of kids are not reading as much today anymore. Um, I mean, I don't blame them. There's a ton of, there's a ton of, um, there's a ton of distraction and noise in the world. And I think that's actually an opportunity rather than a lost cause. What kind of stories can we tell today that are more resonant than the ones that we've told before? What types of illustration styles? What types of animation? What kinds of themes are we saying to people? I think that some companies, um, I'm thinking just right now of like Disney and Pixar and DreamWorks have really tapped into this. And you can see this increasing trend of empowerment and diversity in their stories that you didn't see so much in the past. And so right now this immersion project is for me to really see what has been created in the past. What kinds of stories are considered classics and people continue to buy them because it reminds them of their childhood and all these like warm fuzzy feelings, but really don't make sense anymore to kids today. I mean, kids today are growing up in radically different types of lifestyles and the types of you know, worlds that kids grew up in 50 years ago. We've got split families, we've got working moms, working dads, um, or parents who are freelancers and they work at home. They've got people who have, um, you know, lots of step siblings who, or people who are, you know, have two moms and two dads. You've got people who are living in cities where they feel isolated because of the way that they identify with their own, you know, sexual orientation or their race or whatever. And do we have books? Do we have stories that can connect kids to solving these real life situations? Really, really interesting. So, so I've stuck a pin in like several things, and I want to thank you first for you just brought back this wonderful childhood. When I was little, as as we all did, I used to spend a lot of time drawing and playing with you know cowboys and Indians and soldiers and all that kind of stuff. But I used to I used to create. I used to write little books, and I have really fond memories of writing. And I had one. Uh, my my dad returned all of my childhood stuff, all the artwork I my mom saved and all that stuff. And in that pile was this book that I wrote, a story I wrote about 
I can't remember. It's like a little boy, a scarecrow and a dog or something that fly up in a rocket ship to put a flashlight in a star that had gone out so that it can shine its light again. <laughs> and I was looking at this. I was just like, oh, my God, I wrote this when I was like seven years old. And it's really it's pretty good. you know. Um, I'd love to see it sometime. I'll show it to you. I, I, I'll, well, I have to dig it up. But it got packed in uh, in one of those boxes in the move that has not <laughs> has not turned up yet. But um, so, and I love what you were saying. Well, there's two things I want to talk about. The first is where this experience comes out of. Okay, which sounds like you were having going through a, a significant challenge, and um, you know that it was having a significant impact on your well-being, your physical, your mental, and your spiritual well-being. And I've been thinking about this a lot recently. And you and I spoke about this through an email correspondence some time ago. Seth has a friend, and I can't remember her name. I think it's Cat, who has that the saying that um, you can't be curious and angry at the same time. Do I have that right? Does that sound that familiar? About right. Yeah, that rings a bell. So I've been thinking about that a lot lately, and I've been using this phrase with my my students when I see them getting anxious about a performance or frustrated with difficult material. And I tell them that when they feel that coming on, to ask to say to say the, the following three words out loud. Isn't that interesting? Because it immediately, number one, it gets you out of your head. Now it's, you're not up here. You're focused on this, this thing, this challenge, this problem that needs this interesting situation that needs solving. And then it puts in a 